Tell me more about this archery thing. Uh, that started basically as a way to hang out with my father because we never really got along very much when I was a child. Uh, that was, that was kind of our bonding moment was my dad getting me into archery because he is huge into archery. He's like a multiple time national champion, uh, former world record holder in a bunch of categories. Um, so I got into that with him at a very young age and then became quite good at it myself, I guess. A uh, couple time provincial champion, one time national champion, uh, was in a junior Olympian program. Uh, and then I quit because it became more work than fun. Uh, so I haven't really picked up a bow since. <laughs> so how long has it been since you picked up a bow? Uh, I mean, probably only a couple of years now, but it's like, I'll, I'll only shoot every couple of years, like once or twice. I just, I, I completely lost passion for it when it was basically making me pull my hair out from stress. <laughs> <laughs> what was the stressful part about it? Uh, having to practice every single day to be literally perfect at it, or I wouldn't even place in competitions like standard archery target. If you're hitting anything, but bullseyes, you're, you're missing essentially like a, a bullseye is worth 10 points. And then the, the direct bullseye is called a 10 X. That's the X is used for tiebreakers. Mostly it doesn't, doesn't count as more than 10, but like a couple nines and you're, you're just out at that level of competition. So anything shy of perfect is completely unacceptable in archery at that level. So it's uh it's really, really stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sounds like it. So how big are is the bullseye and how big is the 10X? Uh, bullseye is probably about the size of a quarter from 20, 20 meters. And the 10X is maybe the size of a penny. All right. Yeah, from... So from 18 meters, I guess. What kind of bow and sights are you using? Uh, I was always, I always shot a compound bow. Um, and there's in my category, there was no scopes allowed. So it was just one, one little pin on the bow that you were aiming with essentially. So it's, it's all about having that pin sighted in properly and just your amount of stability and well, accuracy, obviously. Yeah. Horribly, horribly demanding sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like much, much more than people would think. A hundred percent. I thought shooting a bow would be, yeah, you're going to be Robin yeah, just, Hood. You're kicking yeah, ass. Yeah, just fire some, fire some arrows down there. Good to go. Actually, getting a, getting a Robin Hood is actually a bad thing. Because um, in, in some competitions, if, if one arrow goes into the back of the other one, the one that's sticking into the back just doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. So, so your first arrow could be dead center bullseye, but if, if your second arrow goes into the back of it, which happens 
often when you're when you're talking about grouping three arrows into something that small if your second arrow goes into the back of it in in some rule sets that doesn't count <laughs> needs, so it needs to touch the target yeah so it's very cruel <laughs> <laughs> that hurts yeah so through all that pressure of archery what'd you take from it to not let my hobbies become work i guess to to always ensure that i enjoyed my hobbies more than anything before they ground down my my willingness to participate in them (laughs) (laughs) how do you keep yourself in check now with the new hobbies you take on i don't know i i guess the i mean the big one is triathlon now um and with that it's it's just i don't know i i guess i'm i'm still fairly fresh to it like i I was in archery for probably 12 years or so triathlon i've only been doing for a couple years now so it's it's still fresh enough that basically no matter no matter how much training i do it it doesn't really feel like work yet but i i'm assuming i might get there someday i suppose have you given the thought that maybe you can just weather the training better than somebody else? Yeah, that's that's kind of what what Jess says. That I'm just I'm stubborn enough to to put up with it more than more than a lot of people would. But I think I think a lot of that is just based on how much I demand from myself. I I just, I know that I can push myself really hard for something that i want to achieve so that's that's obviously been a a huge thing for me through triathlon is you know come home from a eight or ten hour day at work and then hop on the bike or hop on the treadmill or hop in the pool for two hours after that like day after day after day after day trying to achieve whatever time i want to achieve or whatever whatever plateau I want to reach for that. So it's, yeah, I guess, I guess I could, you could say that I can tolerate it more than other people just because of stubbornness, pigheadedness. What about from your background? Cause of the archery, you're just shooting a paper target for hours a day versus, Hey, I, yeah. I'm actually moving something today. Well, I mean, in archery, it's it's still very physical because I mean, your your bow is is weighted a certain certain amount of pounds, right? For for your draw pounds, so you don't want to have a light a light draw because that means that your arrow is going there slower, which means it's arcing more on its way there. So it's kind of the difference between throwing a baseball at something across the street and lofting it over the road versus chucking it as hard as you can. If you're, if you're lofting it, there's a lot, a lot more variables that can affect it on its way there. Whereas if you're, if you're hard and accurate, it's, it gets there faster and gets there more precisely. So with, with archery, like it, it was still a lot of, a lot of physical work, like a lot of, a lot of shoulder work, back work. It's, so it in a lot of ways it wasn't that different and it's both both of them are fairly mental you've got to 
got to stay very calm in archery. You can't let yourself get rattled in archery because if you, if you're frustrated, your 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 posture, your form, everything goes out the window. And if you get frustrated, you're you're gonna rush your shots and you're gonna start missing, and then it's gonna throw you more. And I mean, it's they're both challenging in their own ways, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But a little mistake in archery can cascade if you let it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, one slip up in archery can ruin like an entire, an entire tournament for you. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh. it's cruel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see the reason you got out of it. Yeah. Very, uh, very demanding, very stressful. Yeah. Monot- How monotonous was it? Oh, incredibly. Like, <laughs> And I mean, if you, if you have a bad day, you always want to start like blaming your bow. Oh Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my, my sight's got to be off. Like, oh no, my, my draw weight's off or like, oh, my, my cams just feel different today. Or like, oh, is this arrow bent or like, oh, the, the fletching on this arrow might be torn a little bit or like the lighting in here sucks. Can't see the target properly. Like you you just you want to make excuse after excuse after excuse instead of just hey maybe i'm shooting like crap today <laughs> <laughs> when did you stop making up excuses in archery then never <laughs> <laughs> if if i was still shooting today i'd still be making excuses <laughs> oh man so for then for triathlons how monotonous is that compared to Oh my god. Probably even worse. Especially <laughs> especially during winter because I'm I'm on the bike indoors and I'm on the treadmill indoors and I'm in the pool indoors. So it's just in the pool it's lap after lap after lap and on the on the bike trainer I'm just sitting there pedaling away for hours and hours and hours. Treadmill I'm just step after step after step. Yeah, I've got a TV set up in the pain cave, but like, doesn't matter. The it, pain cave. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> any any triathlete's little uh, little workout zone. That's that's the pain cave. <laughs> <laughs> that's the good kind of pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh. ish. But yeah, super super monotonous. There's there's nothing that passes the time quickly. Like I I can put the most interesting documentary or movie or tv show on on the tv no it doesn't matter like time just stops in there it's it's horrible <laughs> that hurts that hurts <laughs> yeah it really yeah. sucks what have you found uh, helps you cope with the uh, monotony <sighs> just kind of thinking about race day essentially like all of this all of this is to be better on race day I'm I'm putting in the miles and putting in the hours so that I can be happy with my performance. So that it adds to it's adding up to something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is this is just part of a bigger whole. Okay. With all the training, how do you manage injuries? Oof, injuries are a tough one. I do I do what's what's called an 80-20 training plan. So 80%, like minimum 80% of all of my training is done at very low effort. 
So I'm not sprinting. Well, 80% of the time I'm, I'm not sprinting. I'm not like swimming all out. I'm not, I'm not doing huge, crazy hill climbs that require like 800 Watts of power on the bike, like 80% or more of everything I do is nice and slow, nice and easy. It's just like building aerobic base, uh, making sure that I can, that I have the aerobic engine to carry me through that many hours on race day. So a lot of my training, since it's such low intensity, there's less risk of injury, but those, those big days on the, on the sprint days, it's worrisome. Um, (laughs) but I mean, generally if, if it's a minor enough injury, you just gotta, gotta push through it. I mean, there's, there's no other option. Cause if, if, you know, if something sidelines me for a couple weeks, that's it's a huge deal on race day. Like you're, that'll you're be behind schedule. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I mean, I'm not really on much of a training plan right now just cause it's off season. I'm just kind of keeping myself in check right now, but, uh, typically I'd be, I'd be on a training plan that, that requires a certain degree of ramping up towards race day. So if, if I injure myself and I'm missing, missing my ramp, then just race day shot. Yeah. When you're talking about you're doing 800 Watts of power, what's a standard amount of power? I would say an average person just kind of on a stroll on their bike just rolling down the street would be doing 60 watts, 80 watts. (laughs) (laughs) And you're doing 800 as a low day? No, God, no. So it's all based on an FTP number, which which is basically the wattage that you can hold for an hour. So on any given day, if you hopped on, what your average output would be that you can that you can comfortably hold for an hour uh so that for me right now is about 250 watts which is usually on on flat ground equates to about 42 ish kilometers an hour that's that's like the the easy cruising pace for me right now the break the school zone speed limit oh yeah yeah (laughs) that's 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 a goal of mine is to get a speeding ticket on my bicycle. (laughs) (laughs) When you're training, what's the worst thing that's happened to you while you're doing an endurance sport? That would be the the panic attack that I had in the water in Quebec. (laughs) (laughs) That was the, the first, the first full iron man got in the water. It was, a wetsuit legal swim so but but just barely uh so the water was water was pretty toasty a lot of people weren't wearing their wetsuits probably about half and half i chose to just because swimming is my weakest leg i i mean this the wetsuit gives you such an advantage in the water it just boosts your speed so much and your and your buoyancy obviously so Got in the water, started swimming. Everything was great. It was just an out and back swim. So one straight line to a buoy, turn around, 
come back. I felt like I had been swimming for about 45 minutes. Thought that the turnaround must be coming up any second now. Looked down at my watch and I had been swimming for six minutes. And <laughs> thought that I had gone probably two kilometers or more. Turned out I had gone, I think it was 400, 400 meters. <laughs> and immediately... Oh, don't mean to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Im- immediately, everything everything came crashing down inside of my own head. I was like, "There's there's no way that I can that I can swim twice this distance and then bike 180k and then run 42k. Like there's 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 no way I can do this." I was freaking out. My heart rate shot up to like 212. I just had like a full blown panic attack. Had to had to stop and just tread water for a little bit. There was a there was a guy behind me that that came up and kind of swam up beside me and and stopped. Like he was he was just treading water there with me as well. Which, I mean, he was sacrificing time off of his race because he saw me freaking out. <laughs> and that guy kind of talked me off the ledge, talked me out of dropping out because. There was a there was a woman there on a kayak that was like, "Do you need help? Do you need do you need to get out?" And I was I was thinking about it, but I mean, I put in thousands of hours worth of training. What just to quit in the first seven minutes? Like, (laughs) 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 yeah, that was that was definitely the worst thing that's happened, training or race day or anything triathlon related. That was oh, that was a mess. But I mean. Pulled through, finished. <laughs> How did you recover and move on after that? I don't pull know. Out? <laughs> <laughs> that guy, that guy that stopped, he was he was a, a lifesaver. Um, he just told me deep breaths, like we'll get through this. You know, race days, race days, very demanding. Anxiety gets the best of you. Like just relax take a deep breath he like put his hand on my shoulder i don't know i just i just kind of put my head down and started going everything i didn't i didn't really have a problem with with the rest of with the rest of the race day after that I'd, i got it got it out of the way early and uh that was it i think i think i made up made up about 40 spots in the water after that and then like 80 on the bike and then 40 more on the run so I recovered well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Had that man not stopped, oh, I would have drowned. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I was wearing the wetsuit, so it would have been would have been hard to drown. But, but no, I I, I probably would have dropped out. Yeah, that was a defining moment. That was yeah. That guy was that guy was huge. There was there was another guy at the about the last the last ten kilometers of the run. I I started cramping up really really badly. My legs were kind of giving out in the last the last 10k, and I came up to the to the base of a obscenely steep hill, and I just looked up at it and just like, oh. and I slowed down basically to a walk for a second. And a guy beside me did the same thing, and we both just kind of looked at each other and laughed and we're like, there's no effing way that we're 
that we're running up this hill together. <laughs> so we, we just walked up the hill and then, and then we just, we made an agreement. Like if you need a break, I'll take a break. If you need a break, I'll take a break. And like when I push, you push, when you push, I push. And we just, we rode each other through the last 10 K of the run and crossed the finish line together. Like we were crying and hugging and beside ourselves that we that we finished how we did and then i never saw him again (laughs) (laughs) how did you make that connection with that guy so fast we were both we were both just in the exact same spot we were we were both i mean that was that was the first first full-length race for me it was the first full-length race for him we were both struggling just just as much as the other so we we knew we basically knew how much trouble we were each in (laughs) (laughs) both on common ground oh yeah at the end of your rope oh yeah and you both saved each other oh yeah (laughs) yeah i i know his name but but, uh i as soon as we crossed the finish line and got our medals and stuff uh I kind of just turned around and he was gone and never been able to find him on like social media anywhere or anything. He's just, he was just there. He helped me through the last 10 K and I wouldn't have finished without him. He said he wouldn't have finished without me. And then he was gone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's bizarre that in one race you had two, two humans. Oh yeah. (laughs) Pull you through. (laughs) That's a supportive community. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, uh, I I was, I was super nervous going into like my, my first ever triathlon. Um, cause I, I had done piles and piles of training working towards all of this and I had no idea how, how race day would go. I had no idea how people would be, you know, the, the first, first one I did, I, you know, had some kijiji bike that i that i got a pretty sweet deal on i guess but like i was like uh i've i've got all this old gear and you know i i look around and see like ten thousand dollar bikes all around me and all these guys that are just clearly so much more in their in their element than me there and i had i had no idea what to expect from from anybody but I I don't think I've had a a bad encounter with with anybody on a race day like across the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that I've that I've interacted with throughout races. It's yeah, it's been an incredibly supportive community. How much does that community keep you on the 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 triathlon track? So much. Yeah, like that's that's honestly a well, just a giant part of it for me at this point is the the whole race day experience. I mean, that's obviously I want to go there and, and finish well for myself, but it's just such a such a fun thing to to be there and get to interact with all those people and get to you know check out new courses and go new places because we don't really have any triathlons in Saskatchewan, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, or not any. Not any long ones, I guess, but uh, yeah, no. The 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 people 
are a huge part of of why I want to keep doing it. It's it's just such a such a good wholesome experience. <laughs> it's it sounds like it yeah. though. In one race, two guys, and then on top of it, anybody who I've met that does triathlons, they're all cool people. Wow. They want to help you. Yeah, I mean, as much as as much as I want to do well for myself, I want to make sure that, you know, if I see somebody struggling, I'm going to help them as well. I haven't yet, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, people have done that for me. Like the, the first, the, uh, the PTO in Edmonton last year, there was, so what's PTO? Uh, that was the professional triathlete organization, I believe. Just a just a different circuit, other than other than Ironman, different different organization essentially. The PTO in Edmonton was a a hundred kilometer triathlon, and that one as well. There were just so many times where people were egging me on, and I was egging other people on. You know, you you have like these little mini races with people throughout throughout the whole day. If you're if you're kind of in the same same time category as a as a flock of people, you see each other so many times throughout the day. So then you, you start to recognize these people, and then you know if, if they pass you, then you oh you bastard, <laughs> and you then you give it a little little bit extra and catch back up and pass them again, and then they pass you again, and it's it's just this little back and forth that you've got going on all day. So it it pushes you to be better. Basically, everyone says that your your best times are going to be on race day because of those little battles and because of the, just the adrenaline that you have all day. It's, I mean, I can, I can, you can always push yourself harder on the day than, you know, sitting at home on the treadmill. (laughs) (laughs) Leave nothing in the reserve tank at the end. Yeah, exactly. That was actually kind of my, kind of my problem on, uh, during that PTO. I, I did, I did fairly well, but, uh, like even even my wife said like i i crossed the finish line and like i was just kind of merrily skipping across the finish line and didn't look winded or didn't didn't look like i just did a triathlon and that was kind of one of the first things is i was like i mean i was obviously sore as hell after for the next couple days but i was like i feel like i could have given it a lot more Which kind of sucks, but but I mean that was that was my first big race, so I didn't I didn't really know how to pace myself properly for a full day like that yet. So, but I mean that comes with experience, I guess. Not that I have much of it, but (laughs) (laughs) you were conservative. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I'd rather I'd rather finish with a slower time than gas myself out and not finish at all. So I feel like I made the right choice. Oh yeah. I didn't realize how social a race was. You hear triathlons, you just think one person race. You're racing against yourself. Yeah. But from what you're saying, what you're seeing these people, you guys are hanging out, you're still social oh, during yeah. race day. You're, you're running. It, it's an enjoyable time. Yeah. I mean, aside from the swim, <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you're not talking too much during the swim. <laughs> You shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're talking, if you're talking during the swim, you're probably not swimming very hard, but, uh, <laughs> but no, during, during the bike, I mean, 
it's like I said, you you recognize a whole a whole flock of people all throughout the day, and I mean the run as well, and and during like a a long distance event, you're never really winded, so like you can always kind of carry on a, a pretty casual conversation, like you're not huffing and puffing. I mean, because I'm not a professional or anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like you're you're not pushing yourself that hard because I mean if you're if you're huffing and puffing you're you're gassing yourself out right so so it's it's easy to talk to people so so everyone talks to everybody it's yeah it's 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 weirdly social yeah. I, I that was I really wasn't expecting that definitely as an outsider I didn't expect that mm-hmm. how many races have you done now <laughs> two what <laughs> so you did the PTO the hundred and then you did the Ironman yeah no warm up no nothing. I I just went I just went straight from training to well I I wanted to just go training straight to an Ironman, so the full the full two hundred and twenty six k. But I kind of figured I should have a warm up race in there, <laughs> so I so I I chose the the easy one at at a hundred k. But uh, yeah, I, I decided to. Take some take some pretty big bites, I guess. <laughs> yeah, huge. I didn't really didn't really dip my toe in, just kind of just kind of dove. Yeah, off the ledge. Yeah. So I, the only the only thing that I learned from one to the other, I guess, was well how to how to navigate the race day weekend kind of jitters because going into the PTO, I was, I was nervous as hell for just the, the logistics of everything. Like, where do I have to be? And when do I, when do I give them my bike? When do I have to be here? And what time should I get up? And how should I, how should I eat the night before? And how much sleep do I need? And how many sleeping pills am I going to need to knock myself out so that I can get like eight hours of sleep and be up at three in the morning to start? And and just the just the flow of the weekend, to to the point where when I when I went to Quebec for the for the full, it it already just seemed natural ish. You you learned a lot from your first rodeo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But now I've got I don't know four more coming up this year. So <laughs> <laughs> that's assuming everything goes well and I don't hurt myself. <laughs> keeping everything at bay yeah what was your background for fitness before you started this triathlon gig running was always i was always pretty decent at running skateboarded a lot when i was a kid uh throughout throughout school i was always in track and field i don't know went to provincials a couple times for cross country uh cross country and 10ks or 5ks or something which seemed like (laughs) <laughs> seemed like a huge amount to run at the time. Now it's, I don't know. I'll just hop on the treadmill for a 10 K. <laughs> uh, but yeah, running, running was definitely the, the biggest one that I had a background in. Hadn't even sat on a bicycle in probably 10 years up until, up until I started. Well, until I decided to do an Ironman and, <laughs> and bought a triathlon bike. Yeah. 
What's the farthest you've ever biked, ran, and swam? Separate occasions. Separate occasions. Or well, far, just farthest ever. That'd be race day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that was the farthest. So yeah, you, like, so the 3.8K swim, 180K bike, 42.2 kilometer run. You're actually peaking on race day. Yeah. Yeah, at, at any point during training, I I will never bike over 100K, and I'll never run over probably 25K. And then swimming, I mean, swimming's swimming. swimming. It's, not, it's not as taxing on your body, so I could swim 2 or 3K, but... But at, at any at any point during during any of my training, I'll never I'll never go more than hundred K on the bike or twenty to twenty five K on the on a run. On race day then, it actually is a real test. Oh yeah. Yeah, you just you gotta you gotta have all the pieces and hope you can put them all together. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's nuts. Not, yeah, when, <laughs> yeah, thinking about that. Wow. Well, I I had done uh a marathon before. Okay. But not but not during training and not after. That was a swim and then a run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 thought there is that it's too taxing. It's better to run 10k four times than to run 40k once because that 40k once is so much harder on your body so it it takes too long to recover and by the time you recover from it you could have been you could have been doing other things in in your training plan so it 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 hinders more than it helps yeah you're not sacrificing tomorrow's workout for today's gain yeah exactly so it's it's a it's a bunch of a bunch of smaller chunks that that Hopefully you can you can add up into into something decent on race day. <laughs> you said that your motivation comes from the race day. What else motivates you? Uh, the fact that my surgeons told me I would never do it. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, I had a had a back surgery and a and a knee reconstruction. the The back surgery was actually seven years ago yesterday. <laughs> And the, so the knee reconstruction would be six years ago as of like two weeks from now, because they were, they were about 13 months apart, both of those surgeries. I had a a disc in my lower back that was completely non-existent anymore, essentially, between my L4 and L5 vertebrae to a point where those vertebrae were grinding against each other. How painful is that? Uh, incredibly. Oh <laughs> I was I was bedridden for close to a year, like just just couldn't couldn't walk, couldn't do anything. I was just waiting for surgery. Oh yeah, yeah. Eventually, eventually got that surgery, and I think about three months later, after I had started playing hockey again. Um, I am normally a goalie. I was playing defense that day and it was in a practice for ball hockey and blew my knee out. Uh, had to get my ACL, LCL, meniscus all repaired 
uh, from complete tears and had to have a cartilage graft somewhere. So they had to harvest uh, tendons and ligaments from other areas of my leg and, and rebuild my ACL and LCL with those. And then after each of those surgeries, I was basically told that I would never really be able to play sports or run or do much of anything physical, that it would be a, a wise idea to change careers. Uh, so managed to bounce back, I guess. <laughs> now my now my left leg is actually my good leg. <laughs> <laughs> it's all souped up, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the bionic left leg. <laughs> When you received that news that you weren't going to be able to do anything active again, how'd you take it? I mean, after the back surgery, I I really couldn't give a damn if I never played any sports again. I was just so happy to have had the surgery because I wasn't just in constant agony anymore. So if if I would have just had to give up sports after that, I would have been... I would have been totally fine. It was just kind of a bonus that I that I could. I like after I woke up from that surgery, um they told me that there was that there was a chance that I you know, if something went wrong that I might not be able to walk again. Um so when I woke up from that surgery, I I couldn't feel my feet, couldn't feel my legs and started having a meltdown. Eventually, I, well, could feel my toes, could feel my feet, and I was just so happy that, you know, I was going to be able to walk out of there, that sports were kind of the last thing on my mind, so if, I mean, I would have been heartbroken eventually that I, when I actually came to the realization that I probably couldn't play sports, but at the time, I was just so happy to have had it done and that I wasn't in pain anymore. You were bedridden for a full year. Pretty close, yeah. What kept you going? Uh, hydromorphone. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're discounting something. What were you, what were you thinking while this year of excruciating pain was going on? Oh, I, I don't even know. I, I couldn't, I couldn't take care of myself. I, well, I could, I could barely feed myself. I could barely like crawl down the stairs to make myself food. Like, you know, it was, it was manageable enough that, you know, I, I wasn't completely Im immobile, but I I barely left the house. I barely left the bed. Like I only got myself up and doing something if I absolutely had to. Otherwise I was I was laid up cuz you know going to the bathroom took half an hour just trying to trying to coax myself to to deal with the pain of standing up and walking. Yeah. That sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got through it. Yeah. I I don't know how. I don't know I don't know I I honestly don't know what 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 got me through it. 
And even if something did get me through it, I probably couldn't remember it because <laughs> oh. I, I was, I was high <laughs> a, a lot of the time. <laughs> How did you not get dependent on the hydromorphone then? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I probably was for a little bit, um, but I, 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 I feel like I didn't have a problem like quitting it after I, after I got my surgery. And I, and I don't know if, if it is a side effect of the morphine or if it's a side effect of that basically being a traumatic experience, but I, I almost can't remember almost two years of my life. Like I, throughout all of that, I, I barely have recollection of it. Your brain kind of just suppressed it. Yeah. Cause just, it was... just that sucked. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to remember that. Yeah. We're, we're cool. We're cool. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just start from here. <laughs> just edit that right out. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, it sounds, sounds bad to say, but I was like, I was in a relationship for a, a pretty good chunk of that before it got really bad. I don't, I barely remember that relationship. I guess your hierarchy of needs was kind of, yeah. was high. I mean, shooting pain. Let's yeah. think 90% of your energy was just yeah. on surviving. Just, just trying to mitigate that. Oh, buddy. But yeah, like when it, when it started getting bad, well, basically up and up until it got really bad, I was, I was with somebody and I don't remember that. Yeah. Blank. Yeah. Just no idea. No idea how we broke up or why or when or. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which kind of sucks to say, but. <laughs> yeah. Also, sort of shows how much pain you were actually in where it numbed the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's a side effect of, of the hydromorphone or, or the trauma, but it, like it's just, it's, it's like I, it's like I was blackout drunk for two years. I just got I got nothing. I got n- not even a fuzzy memory Oof. for a lot of it. So after the surgery, and then you got your knee busted up, got another surgery. How was your road to recovery? After the knee surgery, um, it was actually really straightforward from there. Uh, that was when I started working with with the uh the sports physio mostly and she was she was just super awesome super super motivating and she basically told me like as as soon as you can as soon as you can move this thing move it as much as you possibly can all the time like do not stop trying to get this thing better because if you stop and if you don't take this seriously like you're gonna walk with a limp you're probably going to need a cane. You know, it's it's not going to heal properly and it's going to heal weak and you're going to re-injure it and see you in a year cuz you're going to hurt yourself again and you'll be right back here. But she was she was just super awesome to work with and just really really pushed me to see what I could do with it basically. And think that might have been what started me on like kind of thinking about 
triathlon because during my recovery with her, a huge part of that was exercise bike. So when I would, when I would go there, go to physio to go see her, uh, she wanted me on the exercise bike immediately. I, I didn't have to do it any other time, but whenever I went to go see her, like if, if my appointment was at two o'clock, she wanted me to show up at like one, if I could, and just hop on the exercise bike for like as long as I could, as long as I could bear it basically. And then it was like, okay, I can, I can tolerate this. <laughs> <laughs> she was blunt and turns out movement is medicine. Oh yeah. Yeah. She was, I mean, I, I would not be able to do the things that I've been able to do if it wasn't for her. So, so that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, somebody else steps in, helps. <laughs> yeah. I've just been, just been riding the coattails of other people. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Cause you still had to make the decision. Yeah. I mean, you could have just been, the doctor actually told me. Yeah. So, well, there's a, a guy that I know, um, he hurt his, his knee in much the same way that I did at the same time within a, within a couple of weeks of each other. And I asked him how his physio was going after, after we got our surgeries and he was like, ah, physio is so expensive. I didn't do that. And I'm like, what? And he's like, no, I, no, I just went back to work and he re-injured it later. And like, he's, he's, He's never going to play sports again. Not not sure if that interests him, but... It kind of shows, though. You're either going to pay for it now or you pay for it later. Yeah, exactly. How long did it take to get you moving and back to where you were confident with your knee and your back? About eight weeks for both. So after after the back surgery, I was I was playing hockey within eight weeks. Ball hockey. After the knee surgery... Yeah, I think I was I think I was jogging again in a in about 2 months. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was quick-ish, but I wasn't I wasn't allowed to like no sprinting, no you know, sudden stops, no pivoting, basically just straight line, easy. And I mean, not much for sprinting anyway, so <laughs> that's that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. I don't have a sprint. All right, cool. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, Doc says I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so now then when you're training, do you ever think back to when you're bedridden? Oh yeah, constantly. Like it's <laughs> it's that's well, like I said, that's that's a huge part of, of what what made me do it and especially like i mean the the main thing was that i just wanted to do a full-length iron man and then that was it i was going to be done i just i didn't want to do the didn't want to do any other races didn't want to do any other triathlons none before none after i just wanted to train and then do one iron man and that was it so like during that day you know when i'm at 
kilometer 90 on the bike and I'm thinking I've still got 90 to go and then I've got to run a marathon. That was, that was a huge thought was you were told you were never going to do this. You were told that you couldn't do this. You were, you were never going to play sports again. And now look at you. (laughs) So yeah, that, that was a huge driving factor. Yeah. I'm not even supposed to be here, so I got nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. Like even even if I even if I quit, which I mean, <laughs> that's not really an option for me. But but even if I quit, it's like well, I still still did all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How often does the thought of quitting run through your mind? Oh God, that day it was constant. <laughs> <laughs> Even with like two kilometers left, I was like, Jesus, man, that's a long way to go. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, it was rough. Just gonna take a, take a, take a breather. You got 2K left. Just gonna, just gonna take a breath. What kept you going then? What, what was that? What were you thinking? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a, a pretty big part of it was like the fact that I, the fact that I traveled to Quebec to do it. So it was like, man, you're not going to come all the way to Quebec just to go home without a medal. <laughs> like my parents came with me. My wife came with me. So I'm like, you can't, you can't let your parents down like that. You can't let your wife down like that. Like they, they got to see you cross the finish line. Yeah. There's no way. There's yeah. No way. <laughs> so it just, I mean, I don't know. It, it was, I feel like it was barely for myself by the end of it. I was like, Screw it. I don't care if I, I don't care if I make it. I'm tired. <laughs> you did it for the community. You did it for your family. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but no, the, the thought of, the thought of quitting is just, it's constantly there because it's, it's the easy way out, right? <laughs> at, as soon as you start at any given moment, you could quit. That's, that's the reality of it. At in any given second, you could just you could pull out of the water, you could get off your bike, you could just step off the road. That's that that's the easy way out. That's huge. Yeah. I always thought once you start, you're just going to finish. You're already suffering. Yeah. But that's but that's what I'm saying is quitting it's it's the easy it's the easy out, right? You you could do it at any second. And it's so every second you're you're telling yourself, I'm, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't know if it's the easy way out, though. Well, it'd be a shameful way out. Because <laughs> well, you got to live with knowing you quit. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, honestly, one of, the, one of the thoughts that went through my head was, if I'm on like the middle of the bike course or the middle of the run course, even if I quit, I've still got a bike <laughs> or a run back. <laughs> Yeah, call a cab. Yeah, close so, the course off. yeah. So I'm like, well, I mean, I might as well just do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're halfway out, and you're and you got to go halfway back, even if you quit, well, then you've then you've already finished that part of it. So <laughs> then you might as well just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they add that extra level of friction into it. They close off the course. Just so you know. Oh, God, probably. <laughs> it's motivating, though. It was. How was it when you crossed the finish line? Oh, that was 
probably the proudest I've ever been of myself. I don't know. Like it, it feels weird to say it's life changing, but it was like, it was pretty life changing because I, I, I put thousands of hours, maybe not thousands of hours, hundreds of hours, <laughs> put a lot of goddamn hours into it training. Were a thousand hours. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, as, as soon as, as soon as I crossed the finish line, like my, my parents and my wife, they all thought I was just gonna like break down in tears and start bawling. Didn't, don't know, don't know why. But uh, I mean, it was just the, the thought of like, you set out to do this thing a year ago and you worked so many days towards this goal and you just did it. And in like, I don't know, not bad time. I was like top 50 in my age group. So I'll take it. <laughs> for, for a first rodeo? Yeah, exactly. That and was... you stopped in the water? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my legs blew up on the run. <laughs> but I, I also, I mean, I knowing what I know now, my my next one will be a lot better um it it took some it took some reflection on it to see the things i had been doing wrong in in training that i've that i've now fixed so i'm i'm in a much much better place now like my my goal for the next probably 2 years is to try to qualify for worlds and i feel like I'm on pretty good pace to do that now. And I, there were certain points of the race last year where I was pretty well on pace, but then the run, the run just slaughtered me by the end. Like that last 10 K it all, it all kind of came crashing down. So, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, yeah, worlds would have been cool to qualify for during my first full length race. But I mean that, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't holding my breath on it. <laughs> what improvements are you going to make? Well, all around ones, essentially. Uh, basically, last year, I would just hop in the pool and go swimming until I was tired. Or I would hop on the bike and just go at at like race day pace for as long as I could and hop on the treadmill or run outside at race day pace for as long as I could. And my thought was if I wanted, you know, four minutes per kilometer on the run, then I'm just going to train at four minutes per kilometer during training and just drag out the amount of distance that I can do at four minutes per kilometer and hope that, that on race day, I can just run a full marathon that fast. But that was, I mean, it was just me being stupid about <laughs> about how to train properly, and it it hurt me quite a bit. So now this this time around, my my training is just a lot more a lot more structured, a lot more knowledgeable. I've got a, a coach now, got a much more expensive bike. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of hurts. Sometimes it does come down to the bike, the gear for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the one, the one 
piece of hardware that you can carry with you throughout race day. I mean, a wetsuit's a wetsuit. Running shoes differ quite a bit, I guess, but but the bike is a huge one. You know, if you if you try to do it on Granny's bicycle with the wicker basket on the front, and you go up against some guy with a thirty thousand dollar canyon, you know, you're getting smoked no matter how good you are. Yeah, that that wicker basket has a lot of drag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take that off, and we'll talk. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Rookie over here keeps his basket on. <laughs> But yeah, the, the bike, the bike is a, is a huge, a huge one as far as advantage goes, but, but the, the bike that I got now is, oh, it's just stupid. Nice. I love, I love that bike. (laughs) What's the fastest you've gone on a bike? Uh, 75 kilometers an hour. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh man. And you're wearing, you're wearing bike shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Triathlon suit and a helmet. Not even knee pads or no, no, nothing, <laughs> nothing. And and I mean, a lot of guys like shave their legs, shave their arms, so they they don't even they don't even have a little bit of little bit of hair to break the fall. So, <laughs> triathlons can be dangerous. Then, oh yeah, there were there were some crashes. There were some heart attacks. There were some people getting dragged out of the water. There was there were piles of people just throwing up and quitting and well it was it was 28 degrees <laughs> celsius on race day oh my God. but it was it was also pouring rain so it was humid and so humid so there were so many people dropping out like there were there were 1500 people that started that race and i think 800 or 900 finished it was a, it was a huge dropout rate that was it was like an abnormally high dropout rate, which, I mean, made me feel better. Yeah, <laughs> in a sense, it could make the next triathlon a l- not easy, so much a, li- easier. a little, a little easier. <laughs> yeah, because you kind of did it in the worst. Yeah, for you, anyways. Yeah, and I mean the my my whole thing with with the Ironman last year too was I was training for a completely different race for like. 10 months I was training for a fast flat course I was I was going to do the one in uh, Maryland but my friend changed the date of his wedding and that got rescheduled to the day of the race in Maryland so I had to switch last minute with like two or three months to go and then chose Quebec which is one of the hardest in terms of elevation change. So I was, I was preparing for a dead flat course. And then I switched into one with like the second most elevation in North America or something. <laughs> so it, yeah, didn't do myself any favors. You did your friend a favor? Did my friend a favor. I was yeah. a groomsman, so I kind of <laughs> had to, I guess. Yeah. But you took that responsibility seriously. Well, he... As soon as we realized it was on the same day, he was like, don't worry about it. Just go do your race. You've been training a year for an Ironman. You haven't been training a year for my wedding. And I was like, well, shit, now I got to go to the wedding. Yeah. (laughs) Now that you say that, now I have to do both. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for understanding. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that sucks that he was understanding. (laughs) 
That's perfect. I'm I'm still kind of glad that I didn't do the Maryland one though, because the swim is during jellyfish mating season. So the the Chesapeake Bay, I think that was what it was. Yeah, the Chesapeake Bay. I don't know, something whatever bay it's in. During that time of year there's millions of jellyfish in the water. So you just you get you get stung to hell the entire time you're in the water. Probably a good choice, yeah. 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 I mean I I'll probably still do that one. For what reason? Because uh, I still want to do a, a fast flat one. Because I'm, I'm better at going fast than I am at going up hills. <laughs> Are you good at getting stung in the face by a jellyfish? Probably. You don't really have to train for that. So, <laughs> you're as prepared as anybody else is. Yeah, I'll just, I'll gut through it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, should we call it then? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs>